When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I honestly don't know the origin of that, but I have been a do what now man for my entire life. And I don't recall my parents saying it. <laughs> do you ever, has it ever found its way into the bedroom? Do what now? <laughs> I can't even put two and two together with that one. I don't know what that even means. But crying out loud, Christ almighty, let's not go there. We just found Greg Cody's safe word. <laughs> do what now? What does that have to do with oh, the bedroom? That's that. That's like mom making like crazy requests. <laughs> okay. <Do what? laughs> I see what you mean. Yeah, you want me to do what? Right on. <laughs> right on. This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. How, how do we begin? That's always the issue. I need ice on my balls. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> Balling it. Yeti, tell us about this uh, invasive surgery that you had today. I, uh, I I got a vasectomy, guys, today. Ouch. Snipping it. Hell yeah. That's what I hear. When, that's what I hear when I hear that. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Let it fly, Thanks. my friend. Okay. Why would you do that, Yeti? Is that a personal question? We're. I mean, I'm 42. My wife is 43. We 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 would like to avoid any accidents and. Uh, gotcha. Like we haven't had to wipe a butt in a long time, and it's kind of nice. Tired of tired of worried about it. Wants to play and not have <laughs> restrictions. Hell yeah, my man. All right. Okay. Up top. Up top. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Um, did I make, did I make this weird? No, not at all. I don't. I couldn't care less. <laughs> so, what does that involve? Uh, like, I've never had a vasectomy. Is, is that outpatient surgery? Is it like a big hospitalization? Like, what does that involve? Dad, he literally. It happened this morning, and he's recording this podcast. That's a good point. <laughs> snip, it's, snip. So it's really like it's simple now, right? You're in yeah, and out yeah. in ten so they minutes. Just, uh, you know, like actually, so far the worst part has been having to shave everything. TMI and an FYI. Oi! The funny thing is, is I wouldn't put it past Yeti to be like how to figure out the technical aspects of he's like in a hotel bed right now, but he just has like a background, <laughs> his microphone, and like really he's in the hospital currently, right. but he's just like. I did wonder if I should record this from uh laying down in bed just because uh like it just for the funny visual but no, news, i asked the doc I, I, you know i talked to the doc about the show like am i going to be okay to sit up and like sit on a chair and do some editing and got talking about the show he had never heard of greg he had heard of dan one of those classic <laughs> <laughs> um what did he have for breakfast that you know <laughs> your, your mother no <laughs> <laughs> What was his name, your doctor? Where does he live? So I can send him a hate mail. No, so Greg, yeah, they just, they just, they just take the old, the old, um, the old scrot. Literal? And... Is there scissors involved? Are there scissors involved? Uh, I don't know if scissors are <laughs> a scalpel, but I think it was a scalpel. But small incision, no stitches, and they... <laughs> small incision. Poor guy. Right. <laughs> All right, no, show they... us the scar. No, I'm just kidding. I never want to see it. They, yeah. like, they just, it? they can just, it... there are a couple of tubes that go up from the testes up, up into other places, and they just, they snip that, tie them off, carterize them, and you're done. Dotting some T's, crossing some I's. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So really, it was about 20 minutes, and I was done, and got to come on home. 
But I uh, had an interesting experience afterwards, if you want me to go into that, um, with my wife. <laughs> Hell yeah. Not, <laughs> not that interesting. Already? So my wife has done this thing. She has met celebrities. She's probably a celebrity's best friend because she meets them and has no idea who they are. Mm-hmm. Completely oblivious. Good for her. Um, she went to culinary school out in San Francisco and there was a pre-release for, um, <laughs> phrase. there was a pre-release for Monsters, Inc. being held at the place at the, near the school or at the school she was working at. And she gets the chance to serve Joe Montana. I had no idea. <laughs> the other chefs are like, do you know who that was? And they're like, they're trying to go up to him to have him sign their chef hats and stuff. And she's like, yeah. I love that. Yeah. had love no idea that. she was serving Joe Montana. So then today she gets in the van and she was like, there was a guy out there who saw your shoes and he was talking to me about you. I was wearing the, I'm wearing these Saucony shoes, like old, like retro style. And, and he said, I saw your husband's shoes. Does he do track and field? Like, is he a thrower? Does he do, you know, discus or shot put or javelin or something? And she's like, no, he, ne- he never has. What, you know a lot about track, obviously. He says, actually, I'm a, I won a gold medal in the 200 in the Olympics. <laughs> and she was like, oh, cool. And just, that's it. It's just, oh, that's really neat. He talked <laughs> about him and he was talking about his wife. He was there. His wife had an appointment. So they were just talking for a minute. And uh, so she gets to the car and she's telling me this. And I was like, Jane, like you, you didn't meet like Michael Johnson or Carl Lewis or something, did you? You know, and 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 she was like, I don't think that's who it was. So like, let me let me get my phone. I'll get some pictures. <laughs> I go through, and she's like, No, I think he said he won it in the '60s. So I go through the winners of the '60s. Like, oh wait, hold on, <clears throat> Jane, did you meet Tommy Smith? And I showed the picture. She's like, That's him. I was like, wow. Jane. Tommy Smith, you don't know this? So then I pulled up the picture of him right. on the podium raising his fist with John Carlos yeah. in, at the 68 games. And she was like, oh, <laughs> she had seen that picture once or twice and it stood out to her. But like, yeah, she had no idea. She just, she had a nice, pleasant conversation with Tommy Smith and had no idea who she was. Talking. Okay. In, in in fairness to Jane, yes, you, you have to know who Joe Montana is. But <laughs> I'm with Jane. I've seen the picture, but I didn't know that guy's name. Like, yeah, I, I was going to say. That's a lot. I, I, to, like, that, that's an obscure person to get mad at your wife about that. Chris, no, well, he's not obscure no. at all. Now, seeing him. Yeah, I wouldn't have recognized him in a crowd. He's like 70 now or something like right. that. That like I, I'm not this Tommy Smith historian, but like when as soon as I was going through the names and I saw Tommy Smith and I was like, Jane, was this Tommy Smith? I knew exactly, but there was something inside me that said, this is the guy. Like, you need to pay attention to this. And I was right. like, Jane, was it Tommy Smith? And yeah, sure enough, it was. I'm team Jane. <laughs> He's um, significant from, from a political, historic point of view. But if Tommy Smith walked into my house right now, trying to sell me fuller brushes, I would have no idea who he was. I want to um, do a quick callback to last week's episode because it was it was our world-famous ode to horror movies. And I remember Christopher just loving it. And at one point, um, Yeti mentioned that he didn't like gore. And I made the joke, uh, what, you don't like Frank Gore or Al Gore? Which gore don't you like? And I neglected to mention the greatest gore of all time, Leslie Gore, the singer from the early 60s. Um, everybody knows her from It's My Party and all that. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah, but I don't know. She had a very groundbreaking song at the time that was not the least bit poppy or, or teeny bopper. It was a song called You Don't Know Me or You Don't Own Me. You Don't Own Me. Um, 
And it was revolutionary. And and I read a review uh, of the song from the time, and it said uh, this this song was shocking in 1963 for its anti-patriarchal stance, uh, giving the power of one woman to deny the wishes of a man. And and that was a time in America where you know the the women were stay-at-home wives who just cooked dinner for their husbands, and everything was was very sexist. And and her song at the time was revolutionary. So I wanted to give a shout out to Leslie Gore who I looked, if she was alive, I was actually going to try to reach her. But unfortunately, she died in 2015, I think it was. So what was uh, that? Was Is that a don't tell me what to do? Yes. And don't, okay, yes. I know that song. I had no idea that yeah. was the same person who sang It's My Party. Pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, and, and totally the, the songs could not be any more different. But uh, so but that was, that was sort of cool to remember her for a minute. You're old. Greg Cody. Hell on a horse. What are you talking about? It's old. Okay. Sorry, right, I, I deserve that. that. That should be the start of this episode. That's what this is called. The, the Greg Cody is old. <laughs> I deserve that because uh, even I was very young when that song was popular. Um, I'm just saying we've had a lot of old topics so far. <laughs> yeah. T- who's older, Tommy Smith or uh, the late Leslie Gore? Let's figure that one out. Christopher, I want to have a, a quick update on our Tony Kornheiser bet because uh, I reached out to his. Uh, it still hasn't been decided or else I wouldn't be saying this aloud. I reached out to Tony, the case uh, agent. We're trying to get him on the show before the end of the his year. Agent, not his agent, his producer. Okay, yeah. And right now, you remember the last time Tony couldn't do it because he was moving for like the first time in thirty years. Dad, he's never doing it. There was okay. like, he's, let's just hear he, me like, out. He, he's just giving reasons. Okay, and he's not. They're good reasons though, or they're good reasons. This reason, the latest, is that his daughter's getting married. Congratulations to Tony, the case daughter. Yeah, probably in February. <laughs> Seriously. He's not coming on the podcast. Don't, he is. don't be offended. He doesn't do anyone's okay. podcast. You and I are making a bet. Okay. We've had a bet. I know, but we have never come up with what the bet is. Okay. Okay. We Wait, have... So like, what's the timeline on this bet? Okay. The timeline is I want to come up with it soon because it's already November. It's going to be the end of the year. We, I, I have like six more episodes to try to get him. Dad, I'll so... give you as long as you want. We could do another year. You're never getting no. him. <laughs> Okay, Yeti and I came up with the greatest bet in history, <laughs> and and here's and Yeti will explain no, why. Wait, wait, tell would... Chris's first. Tell Chris what Chris's okay. idea for the bet. Chris, was. Or yeah. what's your idea for a bet? My, res- I think the bet should be the loser has to sleep outside for a night and document and document it. Okay. And like that's such a ridiculous bet. It's uncomfortable. I would prefer not to do that myself. That's what I mean. Like it's terrible. Like that's a good bet. That's something that we both genuinely don't want to do. Okay, that's that's the kind of thing a nine-year-old does, and uh, you know it's spooky, and you know. It's like, and what are you about to suggest? How old is the person that does that? Okay, I'm going to suggest that the loser of this bet eats my great toenail. Oh God! <laughs> okay, like just hearing it, I've never heard it out loud. It's always been through text. Like okay, now Yeti, briefly explain why that is actually plausible. Why that would work. You could not pay me to eat that thing. <laughs> well, how about you win the bet then? It would be washed first. It would be washed. Oh No, so the idea came from uh, my wife. So about four years ago, my wife was working toward getting into dental hygiene school, and she had to take an anatomy course. Big player in this episode, your wife, by the way. Big player. What did your wife have for breakfast today? Uh, nothing. She skipped it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So her professor in anatomy is a very odd and peculiar guy. He decided he 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 was doing some thinking, I guess, I don't know, but he realized that you know like pork rinds, that's you know pork skins, okay? That's keratin. It's made up of keratin. That's what allows it to puff up when they put the 
pork skins in the grease right. or whatever. Well, he's like, our nails and hair and everything are made of keratin as deep well. Deep frying the nail. Got yeah. it. Terrible. So, Piece, yeah. Like, so the idea terrible. would be deep fry the nail because your nails will puff up just like a pork rind. No. Perfect. And, and become edible. Perfect. And become edible. Okay. He, he did it with his own toenail. Great. Dad, what do you mean great? You're going to lose this bet. You want, you'd rather, I'd rather sleep outside, <laughs> honestly, than eat that. Okay. The bet is made no but we did we could fry up the greg cody toe with greg cody and the loser has to eat it yo this is easy if i if you win i sleep outside for a night if i win you eat the toenail <laughs> oh that's a lopsided <laughs> bet but why it's ridiculous but okay that's great, but here's it's what, what I'm gonna you want to do you want to do that more here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna put a poll on twitter no 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 that there's no way i'm letting there's no way i'm letting the audience decide whether or not i'm eating that or not i'm because telling you're afraid. you right now yes you're afraid yes okay i'm not gonna hey, be sh- that i'm not like graceland you're like using the graceland technique right now like <laughs> child psychology but, but, but i will say Chris, this whole time you have been saying tony is never going to show up on this show are you a little worried now that he actually might no, I know he's not going to, but it's still just not worth it to me. Okay, so why not make the bet then? If you know he's not going to, why not make the bet? Because I'm not like I could be. I'm not like I'm not that bullheaded that I like. I know I could like maybe because you've done his show a million times. He'll agree to give you like ten minutes, right? Like that might happen, and I'm just not eating that nail. Come on, make the bet. What would you? Like, <laughs> you'd. Why are you rather picking that bet? Why do you think we should do it? Your like. You'd rather eat the nail than sleep outside. You are always, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong here. You are always preaching to me what would be the best video for social media. What would get the audience engaged? Yeah, sleeping outside's good. What do you think the audience would like more? Watching one of us have to eat my big toenail? Oh my god! Or watching a video of us sleeping in our backyard? I think it's pretty similar. <laughs> dad trust me someone will end up eating that nail if if we make it just your way because you're gonna lose <laughs> okay all right so i'll i'll do it we'll do it do you think your dad would actually go through with it if he lost do you think he'd actually eat the nail i totally I mean, would oh if you tell me that it's gonna fry like a pork skin i oh. like pork rinds oh. i like pork rinds <laughs> I now, would eat a pork rind. Why wouldn't I eat a toenail that reads oh like a pork rind? Oh, God. Dad, this is so it's, yeah. disgusting. <laughs> okay. It's, it becomes Dad, less... you're just like, you're just going for the bit of like, it sounds like a funny premise. You, you Like, you're going to have to do this. You're going to gag. It's going to be disgusting. We have a professional. A, 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 it's your nail. A, a college professor is endorsing this bet. Isn't that right, Yeti? <laughs> Maybe we could get him on and get his recipe. All right, let's get him on next week. <laughs> Dr. Right, Covington, so the bet is, we, we want you on our podcast next week. So if I lose... Give me a recipe. If I lose, I'll sleep outside. If you lose, you eat the nail. Deal. <laughs> okay. That Whoa! Way people, people are going to be rooting against me because they want the nail. They want the nail eaten. They don't I'm want... I'm not eating the nail. Like I'm just not. Like I'm sorry. Like I, I, I guess I could be a team player more, but it's just like... Like you don't pay me enough. Pay me more. Like like are you gonna give me just like a really? I'll do we're that. Gonna if get, you, we're gonna go there. I just need like a bonus, like a little bonus check, a little something like here's. Right, for I'll, doing give this. Hun- I'll give you a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars. You better. Yes. You better come correct, sir. Oh brother, unbelievable. You okay? The the bet is half made. The the bet is made. The yeah. bet is made, and the bet. So we're gonna go through with it, and and we will keep you updated on Tony the K because I do expect to hear back with a yay or a nay fairly soon. So I'm glad. We have the bet made before 
the verdict. You better not be messing with me. Game. And like, this is like something that's already like. What if it is a stacked bet? Yeah, no, like, it is. I swear to you, I've told you the truth. What's your way of communication with this producer? I text back and forth. So I could. So there's a text history here we could read. Chris, if he had already booked Tony the K, you know your mom would have been like, "Have him over for dinner." He'd yeah. already be. He'd be on today's show if yeah. he had already booked him. That's, dad wouldn't be able to hold yeah, that in. That's probably true. Um, quick dad joke. Dad joke of the week. Um, what did the paper uh, say to the pencil? I'm gonna write you off. Something with lead. Da, 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 what? Da. Right. Right on. Right. <laughs> Right on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, right on. Right on is from the same era as Groovy. Let's bring them both back. How come nobody says right on anymore? Oh, oh. boy. <laughs> hey, that was a good movie. Right on. What an affirmation that used to be back in the hippie days. Uh, do what now? Christopher was making fun of me earlier oh for saying, God. do what do now? What? I hate this guy. You want to know? Yeah, you asked a few weeks ago, like, the things my dad does that annoys me. I was, like, driving with him is annoying. Do what now? When you're in a conversation with him, sometimes I'll say something, I guess, low. And he, his way of saying, what's that? I didn't hear you, is do what now? So it's like I'm in the middle of a conversation. I'm like, yeah, so, like, I, uh, you know, I'm having, you know, I'm having dinner later with friends. Do what do now? What now? And it's like, what? I, I'm not like, what do you mean? Do what now? Oh, mom hates it worse than you do. My grandma would have slapped me. You had to respond to her with like, if you ever said, huh? Oh, you're getting yelled at. You had to really? say, ma'am. If you didn't understand, you had to say, ma'am. What about do what now? Man, I never said do what? That was not part of my vocabulary. Oh, wow. See, I thought that was a Southern colloquialism. It is. It is. But it just didn't leak into mine. Okay. I'm a do what man fan. Do what now fan. Where'd you get that? Where'd you get do what now? I don't know. I've been saying it my whole life. Like the Andy Griffith show or something? <laughs> you know what? I honestly don't know the origin of that, but I have been a do what now man for my entire life. And I don't recall my parents saying it. <laughs> do uh, you ever, has it ever found its way into the bedroom? Do what now? <laughs> I can't even put two and two together with that one. I don't know what that even means. But crying out loud. Christ almighty. Let's not go there. You just found Greg Cody's safe word. <laughs> <laughs> do what now what does that have to do with oh, the bedroom that's that that's like mom making like crazy requests <laughs> do what now? and i didn't and i don't hear her or do she, what now? <laughs> <laughs> i see what you mean yeah, you want me to do what right on <laughs> right on you want me to do what <laughs> do, do okay. what now exactly that, um, that would actually it that would be it that would it being used in the proper context (laughs) do what now and she responds with (laughs) that kind of thing (laughs) okay um i want uh i want yeti to uh settle an argument real quick uh christopher and i were discussing the uh ridiculous trend called friendsgiving it's not a ridiculous trend yeah it's it's uh, sort of going to one this like this past weekend i went to one yeah i'm against those it's uh it's an uh, affront to uh thanksgiving is what it is See, this it's is a, one of those things my dad's just like, hey, I can say these words. I don't actually believe this or actually have it's any. A, it's a bastardized holiday, and so, we don't approve. Uh, the 
the concept of it, the action carrying it out. I mean, I think we've all done Friendsgiving uh, several times in our lives, especially when we were single. I don't like the, uh, the, the naming of it. I'm like, eh, whatever. I'm not going to, hey guys, let's have a Friendsgiving. It feels like something exclusively white people do. Yeah. I, I really enjoy getting together with friends and doing a feast. You right. Know, that's fun. Like, why be anti joy, dad? But like, giving what, what, it the name is a little like not me, but the action is fun. The name implies that. The inventor thought that friends and thanks almost rhymed. Okay, and they don't. So, fr- oh, like this sounds like a bad. Now, if you called it, if you called it Franksgiving instead of Thanksgiving, <laughs> that would at least make sense on that one level. Franksgiving. Why Franks? Because it rhymes with thanks, and it's the name of somebody who might be a friend. What? <laughs> I got to explain that to you. Do what now? Okay. <laughs> So Flynn's going to love this. Here's the thing. But here was was the argument. I was just about to say, no, dad, we said we've, we've got it. We have the context. Like, okay. All right. Here's the problem. You said, what's wrong with uh, Friendsgiving? Here's the thing. You hold Friendsgiving right before the real Thanksgiving. So somebody like me who is hosting an actual Thanksgiving, uh, takes it as sort of an insult that, you know, coming to my Thanksgiving, you will have just had a turkey and a Thanksgiving meal. There, there's Greg again. Oh, thank making, you. Making the holidays about himself, like okay. he did when we talked on the Levitard show with Halloween. Right. Greg Cody has his way of doing everything, and if anybody is doing anything different, why are you doing that? Okay, here's where what Thanksgiving should be held. Ebenezer Cody, and this was <laughs> now when I hosted a couple of uh, Friendsgivings back in the day. You and I did think we had what? I think we had two or three in a row. Wow, look at you. What a hypocrite. What a hypocrite. First, allow me to explain. This will explain why it's not hypocritical. Because we had Friendsgiving when it was supposed to be, which is in the middle of the year, six months after Thanksgiving <laughs> oh, and six months no before one is doing Thanksgiving, that. which turns out to be late May. You have Thanksgiving in late May. You're doing like half Christmas, like half Christmas or something. <laughs> that's that's your Memorial Day cookout, Greg. That's okay, <laughs> I'm just saying that if you're going to have a Thanksgiving, honor the guest, the, honor the chef at your, the actual Thanksgiving. Oh, it, you do correct. it your way, I'll do it my way. Like, what is this? He's still going to show up at your place. Why are you so <laughs> negative? Why do you hate things? I don't hate things. I'm a lover. <laughs> Baby. Do what now? <laughs> no, seriously, I'm not a hater. I'm a lover. You know, make love, not war. That's what I said. Make laughs, not war. Make friends, not more. Dad, can we get to, we need, we need to get to Jimmy Johnson. We're late. Oh, wow. You know what? We haven't even mentioned him yet. Oh, shoot. Oh, my God. Dad, Dad it's not a radio show. People saw in the description that he was coming. I know, but I, I wish I would have put him up top because I have to tell you. And- <laughs> Do what now? <laughs> and Christopher always accuses me of loving every guest that we have on the show, which is not true. Now I'm visualizing Jimmy Johnson on top of you. Right on. Someday I'm going to do a Monk Gregmore of our worst guests on this show, and it won't be easy. It won't be tough coming up with five. But uh, Jimmy Johnson, I I adored that conversation we had with him. I really did. I think you all are going to as well. Um, here's Jimmy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. How are you doing today? We're good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's funny. Uh, I was telling Christopher just before you came on that um, I guaranteed him that you would not be a minute late and that, in fact, you would be ready to go a minute early because that was the mantra as coach, right? If somebody was uh, five minutes early for a meeting, they were almost late. Uh, I've always been early for everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. If I'm not not five minutes or 15 minutes early, then you know that there's a problem. (laughs) That's right. Well, you know the saying, the early bird catches the worm and you're a fisherman, so you gotta have plenty of worms, right? Uh, Jimmy, I want to get I want to get right started uh, early because um, uh, there's so much to talk about. and We don't want to keep you forever. Um, the, the new book is called Swagger, Super Bowls, Brass Balls and Footballs, a memoir and uh, with along with Dave Hyde and um, a, a great uh, sports columnist for the South Florida Sun Sentinel, a friend of ours for years. First, congratulations on the book. It comes out November 15th. It's on pre-order now. And you and Dave are going to be at the Miami Book Fair November 17th. So uh, congrats for this. Well, thank you. I, I I was really hesitant about writing the book with Dave and my attorney, Nick Kristen. He said, hey, you have got to you know, write a book. You know, you're getting up there in years. You've got to tell some stories about University of Miami and right. the Dallas Cowboys and Survivor and uh, the Miami Dolphins on and on. And uh, so once I got into it, um, I really enjoyed, you know, kind of reliving some of the memories uh, and having some conversations with some of the people around the country that were involved. And of course, Dave, I did a great job with it. Yeah. Coach, I know it's not, I know it's not on the football field, but where in your life do you have the least amount of swagger? <laughs> The least amount of swagger, probably with my wife. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't I can't swagger around Rhonda. Rhonda will put me in my place. <laughs> good answer, by the way. Good a smart answer as a married man, I can tell you. Um Jimmy, uh, I, I lived, I, I covered your UM years and uh I, I saw that swagger firsthand. I remember uh, a, a little bit later during the Cowboy years, it was before an NFC championship game against San Francisco. And you pretty much guaranteed a win and challenged the media to put it in three inch headlines. Right. So that tells us, I mean, you have been consistent as long as I've known you uh, in terms of that kind of attitude. And and once I remember uh, Sports Illustrated named your 86 Canes team the most hated team in America <laughs> and your your 92 Cowboys came in third. And uh, that that had to delight you. Hey, well, it upset me. I think the Detroit Pistons <laughs> might have been second. <laughs> but, yeah, you, you know, Greg, uh, you know, I always took the, uh, the approach of being upbeat and positive, especially dealing with the individuals that I dealt with. You know, a lot of the guys that I coached were, you know, inner city kids, uh, you know, that hadn't had a lot of direction. Um, and, and really, um, you know, one thing that I was very proud of at University of Miami is we improved the graduation rate from like 50% to 88%, you know, by having, you know, mandatory study hall and, and academic counseling on and on. And, and it stayed that way ever since I left. But you know, I, it was the Pygmalion effect. Uh, you know, I wanted to uh, really treat them uh, as winners day one. And, you know, I, I didn't mind the bravado and I didn't mind the, you know, the celebration. You know, I didn't didn't want them to taunt or, you know, get penalties, uh, which, you know, we were not a highly penalized team. 
but, you know, we always took the approach that we're going to kick somebody's rear end. <laughs> right. Rather than a lot of coaches saying, oh, they've got a great team. You know, we'll have to play at our best to have a chance. You know, I went. I took the opposite approach. Yeah. Well, that was, and, and, and Michael Irvin famously used to say something to the effect, we're going to tell you we're going to beat you. Then we're going to beat you, and then we're going to remind you we just beat you, or something like that. He was, he he was, and is uh, the best when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, Jimmy, I want to start with the UM years, eighty four to eighty eight. Um, and you've had a, a consistent thing in your in your coaching career where you weren't afraid to replace legends and step into to enormous shoes. And at Miami, you they had just won a championship. Snellenberger had just left, beloved because he had just won a championship in UCOM. Uh, tell us about the the Hurricanes years. Well, you know, that first year was a struggle, as you remember, Greg. Yep. Uh, first of all, you know, they uh, they lost nine defensive starters, you know, and so we had to rebuild that defense. Now, we still had a good offensive team, but, but defensively, we had a change. And the problem was, you know, I was hired, you know, late you know, in June because you know, Howard had left to go to the new league. And so, you know, I got there and I'd never, and, you know, one of the requirements, I had to retain the entire coaching staff. And I didn't know a single one of them. Uh, little mm. did I know that three of them wanted the job and they yeah. were upset that I got the job. <laughs> and so it was a little bit of tension there, you know, with that crew. But but we struggled through that first year. And then after the first year, we were able to put together our staff. And I think after that first year, I, the last four years, we only lost two regular season games. And if we'd had instant replay at Notre Dame, uh, we wouldn't have lost that one. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that 86 team, uh, I, I know it was a, a heartbreaker loss in the title game to Penn State, uh, 14 to 10, if I recall. But um, that 86 team, man, you had a bunch of Sunday guys playing on Saturday. I mean, that was the best team I've ever seen. Uh, it, it was. They, they were funny. I, I remember the story. You know, when I was at Oklahoma State, you know, I struggled against uh, Oklahoma. You know, they just had better players. And uh, uh, we we took our team up to Norman to play Oklahoma. And it must have been about my second year or so. And Jerome Brown was stretching there. And all the Oklahoma players started coming down the ramp to go on the field for warm-ups. And Jerome says, fresh meat, fresh meat. <laughs> and I looked at Jerome. I said, hey, calm down. These guys are pretty good. <laughs> That's great. But that's the attitude our guys had. <laughs> swagger, swagger all the way. Um, on to the Cowboys years, 89 to 93. Again, you replace a legend in Tom Landry. Uh, you inherit a guy named Jerry Jones as as the owner. Uh, tell, us about, tell us about that wild ride. You went from one wild ride to another one. Well, you know, in the book, actually, I've reprinted my contract and uh, where I had uh, control of uh, all football operations. But that was Jerry's doing. Uh, Jerry said, listen, you know, uh, he said, I'm, I'm going to hire you, you know, be the coach. He said, you handle all the football you know, decisions, all the football operations, and I'll handle all the financial operations. He said, you know, I'll handle finance. You'll handle football. We'll go back to back and we'll make sports history. Mm hmm. So my attorney, you know, Nick Kristen, that's the way he wrote up the contract. Uh, well, that worked great until after we won the first Super Bowl. <laughs> and Jerry said, hey, I want to have some of that fun. Right, exactly. <laughs> Nobody and, cares how many millions I make. And, and you said, no, I don't want to give up my power, right? <laughs> yeah, well, we redid re -did the contract three different times. And uh, every time he wanted to take that out of the contract, I said, no, that's not negotiable. Uh, yeah. I said, you know, in order for us to operate the way we've been operating, you know, I wanted to be able to handle the draft and the trades and, and the football operations. Uh, but but that also caused a conflict, Craig. 
Yeah, I can imagine. And and the, the book is called Swagger, and we're just teasing it here. There, there's so much in here that uh, that we're going to uh, allude to, but not really dive into like you'll see when you read the book. How, how do you assess Jerry Jones now as a talent evaluator? Well, it's hard to say. You know, Will McClay actually handles the personnel, and he's a very talented individual. And in fact, uh, I'm surprised that he hadn't been hired as a general manager. I, I know Jerry's paying him extremely well, uh, but they are a talented team. Now, one thing about the talent, you know, the Cowboys have so much visibility uh, that sometimes I think maybe their talent is uh, maybe trumped up a little bit more than what it should be. But without question, they've got a talented team. Uh, Jimmy, um, so much is is made of, of your relationship with Jerry Jones. It's almost like a, a, a mythical thing. Like what <laughs> if, if if you and Jerry today um, are, are, are at the same event, the same gala event, uh, is it a situation where you're friendly and you go up to each other or do you avoid each other? <laughs> it, it is a strange relationship. In fact, Greg, I'd say in the book, I said, you know, people really don't understand our relationship. In fact, I don't understand our relationship. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I don't know. It just depends on what day it is and <laughs> what the event. Right. Uh, but normally when we see each other, we hug each other and we have a bunch of laughs. Now, after a couple of years out of coaching, post-Cowboys, uh, you turn up with the Miami Dolphins in 1996 and 99 through 99. And again, you replace a legend in Don Shula. Not only that, but you inherit uh, an aging and obviously aging Dan Marino. One that uh, Greg Cody tried to trade in a column. Well, I, I did, and uh, I still don't think I'm entirely wrong in that column because I don't want to go into it. They could have gotten a lot for him at the time, but right. whatever. <laughs> what were the Dolphin years like, especially the beginning? Because, you know, you were seen by some as the guy chasing Don Shula out of town. Well, actually, you know, that all happened before I ever even had any contact with the Dolphins. In fact, Nick Bonacani called and said, hey, you know, uh, Don Shula is going to retire. I said, really? You know, I, I had no clue about it. And then, you know, after he left, I had a call. I'd never had a conversation with Wayne Heisinger. I never talked to him. Didn't know him. And Eddie Jones called, uh, got went through my attorney and said, hey, we'd like to talk to you, you know, because there's an opening here. Um, and... You know, I had reservations because I really enjoyed Fox. Uh, uh, but, you know, I, and I had opportunities to go to Philadelphia and, and really Tampa had really gone strong trying to get me to go to Tampa. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you know, they said, hey, we got salary cap problems. We're five million over the cap and we've got five players that are up for new contracts and it'll be difficult to keep any of them. Uh, but uh, we've got Dan Marino. And and the main thing, you know, not only Dan, but I wanted to live in South Florida. I, mm -hmm. I wanted to live down here. And so I did take the job. You know, I would, I would have loved to have coached Dan when he was healthy. But, you know, he was hurt the entire time I was there. He had some type of injury every year that I was there. Uh, but we uh, we went to the playoffs three straight years, won a couple of playoff games. I, I was disappointed we didn't win a Super Bowl. Uh, but, you know, we were competitive and, and we won games. But again, uh, we didn't win a Super Bowl. So it was a disappointment. Well, I, I have to remind people who uh, forget that two of the guys you recruited were named Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas. So you uh, you did OK on on uh, on your Miami years in, in, in my remembrance. Well, we, um, actually, we actually led the NFL in defense. Uh, and, of course, uh, Jason and Zach and Sam Madison and uh, Patrick Sertain, you know, they they were a big part of us leading the NFL in defense. 
Yeah, and Daryl Gardner, I remember what a, yeah. what oh, a yeah. monster he was in the middle. Talk about your relationship with Shula, and I don't even know if relationship is the right word. Uh, you, you must know that he didn't particularly like you. I mean, he once referred, I think, to Dave and to me separately. Uh, he, he used to kid that Jimmy who, when your name would come up. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean. I, and I didn't understand that because I was always, you know, positive and upbeat, you know, you know, with, you know, with Coach Shula. And, and every time I was around him, you know, I, I, I visited with him. Uh, one time, he, you know, he, he didn't uh, he didn't like me, you know, uh, losing some of those players that we did the first year. Uh, but we didn't have any money under the cap to do it because, you know, his last year, he really tried to make a run at it and, and really signed big contracts to Edmund and uh, Green and some of those guys. And, and so you know, we couldn't deal with anything because we were over the cap. Yeah. I want to move on from football for a minute because there's an element of, of your life and uh, and of the book, Swagger, where you go off the field and, and get pretty personal about some of the trials and tribulations in your life. And and I think so many families across America have gone through it or are going through it with kids. And, uh, you know, you have two sons, Brent and Chad, and um, and, and Chad went through his tough time. And, and I remember I talked to Chad uh, last time we spoke on this podcast, it was related to your Pro Football Hall of Fame induction. And at the time I talked to Chad. And and I talked to you about him, and you said I'm more proud of what Chad accomplished than anything I ever did, uh, and that was overcoming years of addiction. And and he's staying clean now. And can you just talk about that? Because a lot of people can relate to that. Well, I I, I think alcoholism, addiction, it, it has uh, it takes a bigger toll on the families than than what people realize. You know, I and at times, you know. I take yeah. some responsibility on that because I wasn't there for them when they were growing up. I was trying to win football games and Chad struggled with it for, for many years and went through rehab, et cetera. And, uh, you know, I said in the book, you know, I said, you know, the, the biggest victory in my life is, is when Chad uh, got sober and not only did he get sober, but he started uh, uh, tranquil shores. He started, you know, with just a um, halfway house and uh, a rehab center. He got everything certified. He, he, you know, retained doctors and counselors and 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 I speak uh, at his client reunion about every year. And I would sit in the audience and people would get up at the podium, mothers and daddies, and they would say, Chad, thanks for saving my son's life. And or one woman got up and said, Chad, you picked up my daughter at three o'clock in the morning. Wow. Drove her around for four hours and then took her to detox. Thanks for saving her life. You know, and, you know, I got up when it's my turn to talk. I said, listen. I won national championships as a player, national championship undefeated team as a coach, couple of Super Bowls, you know, but nothing that I've ever done can compare with what you people are doing here at Tranquil Shores. You know, it just, I'm just very, very proud of him. Yeah. And that had to give you, uh, I mean, you went through a, a large chunk of your life where it's all about the football and there's nothing more important than Saturday or Sunday. And this is a whole different perspective. That had to be pretty profound. Yeah, when he was struggling, Greg, I would lay in bed and, and I would ball. And, and, and I'd, I'd say, you know, just tell Rhonda, you know, I'll give somebody a million dollars if they can just help him get back on track. And, and you know, to the point that I, did, I, I didn't know what to do. We were, and it, one body, one person told me, said, you know, hey, you can't give up on him. You know, when you think that it's at the very end, try one more time. And then when he's at the uh, end again, Try one more time. You just can't give up. 
And I'm just so proud of what he's been able to accomplish since he's become sober. That's terrific. And and, and likewise, Jimmy, when your uh, mom passed away, I think that that was another experience for you where it really put into perspective and, and maybe some guilt feelings there. Hey, I, I wasn't there as much as I should have been because I had games. What did your mom's passing uh, mean in your life and in your career? Well, that's when I was at the Dolphins. And um, it was before one of our late season games, uh, before the playoffs. And uh, Wayne Heisinger, who was a fantastic owner, I mean, and a fantastic person, him and Marty were just wonderful people. Wayne said, hey, you can use my plane to fly down to your mother's funeral. And uh, I, I flew down, and and I, I I couldn't I couldn't look at her in the casket, and, and it just hit me. You know, my sons were there. I said, you know, here I've been chasing championships in football all these years, and I've missed out on so much. I've missed out on my family, and, and that's then and there is when I decided to retire. You know, when the time came. Wow, and and a lot of people, I think maybe not people who know you well or have just heard what you said, but. I think a lot of people were surprised you never came back because there had to be the offers. And you were still a young man when you retired. Uh, There had to be many, many chances to go back, probably over a 10-year period. Um, Tell us about that a little bit, if you can. Well, you know, I had offers to come back and coach. And then I had offers to be a general manager. I had offers to be a consultant. (laughs) One team, (laughs) one team, you know, (laughs) called. And I, I knew the the owner very well. I knew the general manager very well. They said, you know, can you just, you know, run our draft for us and just draft the players, draft the talent? Wow. (laughs) And I said, you know, I said, that's not going to work. I said, first of all, it'd take me three months to get schooled up on the draft and and evaluate the talent. Right. Uh, Number two, if I draft them, your coaches and your general manager is not going to like it. You can say, well, Jimmy likes this guy. I didn't like him, you know. And so, you know, you've got to be everybody's going to be on the same page. And then the last thing I said is, you don't have enough money to pay me to come up there for three months. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. And, 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 and I should remind people, your, your job as a Fox NFL Sunday studio analyst has been a career in and of itself and, and a super successful one. And, and that continues. Who's the player that you coached in your career? It could be at Miami, Dallas, the Dolphins, that you just did, like, you have regrets you wanted more out of them. Like it, maybe it's on you. Maybe it was on the team. You just, you could have done more with this player. Well, I don't have any like regrets on any one player that I could have done more. I would have loved to coach Dan Marino when he was healthy. Uh, that, I mean, Dan, when he was healthy, man, he was as good as there was. Uh, but yeah, he had the Achilles uh, injury. He had the shoulder injury. He had the bad knees. In fact, I think he's had both knees replaced. I told him, oh, man. When, I, when I saw him at the Hall of Fame, I said, I wish you'd had those knees replaced before I got there. <laughs> <laughs> his, his, I, I would have loved to coach Dan when he was healthy. His uh, last season, the two knee braces he wore were so bulky. He looked yeah. like uh, something out of a, out a science fiction movie or uh, whatever. Are, uh, Jimmy, are the, Jimmy, are there any big trades in your career that you almost made? Like trades that would have made huge news that we almost made you you don't know this but we almost traded for this guy oh no i mean yeah see i made uh 51 trades in five years i was in Dallas. people back then there was no fantasy football and so there really wasn't a lot of trading uh you know like the new york giants during that five years made one trade and that was with me <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah yeah 
So those 50 ones that we actually did trade, there was probably a, a thousand that I had conversations about. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I don't know that I could pick one. What's the trade you had to work hardest for? You had to get on the phone 20 times with this GM and he just like, you had to give a little extra, like what's the trade that you had to work the hardest for? Well, you know, of course I, I, I had everybody on speed dial. And so I wanted to trade down in the first round one year in Dallas. And so I called Joe Gibbs. Uh, he was at, uh, with Washington. I said, Joe, I said, you know, I, I, I've got a trade. I had my value chart that I developed when I was there. So I knew what the, the relative values were. I said, I'll trade this and this, you know, you know, trade down, swap picks in the first round. So Joe, you know, talked about it a little bit and he said, okay, you know, we're fine. And so, you know, we're going and I'm talking to my man in New York. I said, hey, is Washington got the ticket up to the desk? You know, we got to make this trade. You know, clock's running out. And he said, I, there's no movement at Washington. And he's, I said, hey, you know, we're going to run out of time. You know, and it's getting down to the last 30 seconds. I got Joe back on the phone. I said, Joe, I said, hey, what about the trade? Get the ticket up to the desk. Jimmy, I'm sorry. I'll have to talk to you about it later. The old man won't let me trade with you. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> the old man. Um, you always used to say that that you took a loss, that, that a loss uh, brought you down more than a win ever lifted you up. Yeah, I expected to win every single week. And so yeah. when we won, it wasn't any big deal because I expected to win. Is it the same on the boat? Like you get lost. If you don't catch anything on the boat, that's harder than a good catch. Uh, if I'm on the boat, I'm going to have me about five Heineken lights. And so I there you go. There you go. <laughs> the green, the green lizards are with you. Um, Jimmy, we're going to, we're going to wrap up with my great thanks. Uh, but on the way out, I do want to ask you about that, uh, that pilgrimage uh, uh, down to your place in Isla Morada from coaches and general managers trying to inherit a little bit of your wisdom. And, and Rhonda's right, by the way, you need to start getting rich on that by charging a <laughs> consultant fee. Who's the but, coach? Uh, who's the coach that wanted to come down there? And you're like, look, man, you got to, have a couple more years of experience. You're not ready to come down here yet. Oh yeah, I, I usually I open it up to to whoever. Uh, but you know, if it's somebody that I don't know very well, or you know, I'm not really wanting to spend a lot of time with, I'll just meet him over at Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. Uh, <laughs> if if it's you know, if it's Belichick, he's going to stay in the guest house. You know, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it just depends. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Christopher, you had a uh, a ridiculous lunch question for Jimmy. Well, no, I just in the keys. What's the ideal Jimmy Johnson lunch in the keys? Are we talking like a blackened like uh, mahi sandwich? What are we oh, talking? Oh no, uh, I I am renowned for wherever I go. I've got to check out the nachos and, oh. and Jimmy Johnson's nachos <laughs> at the Big Chill. <laughs> That's the number one. There you go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Jimmy, the book is called uh, Super Bowls uh, Swagger, Super Bowls, Brass Balls, and Footballs, a memoir. Highly recommend it. Uh, it's out November 15th. You can pre-order it now. Uh, if, if you're in the area at all, check out uh, Jimmy and Dave Hyde at, at the Miami Book Fair on November 17th. Jimmy, I've known you a long time. I've admired you a long time. Uh, I wish you all the success in the world with this new book, and, uh, and thanks so much for being on with us. All right, Greg. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Jimmy. All right. Bye-bye. As a man who is perpetually insincere in interviews, you said an honor to talk to Jimmy Johnson. This one I actually believe. When you said it to Dick Stockton, that's when I knew that you'd say it to anybody. 
but I, I believe you actually do respect and uh, admire Jimmy Johnson. Okay. Well, uh, I've known Jimmy since the 80s, uh, but don't disrespect Dick Stockton. No, Let's I just, you, no, no, no. I'm not disrespecting his career. I'm disrespecting how much you claim to have followed his career. Okay. That's probably fair. That's probably fair. <laughs> you made it seem like you watch every Dick Stockton game because you're just a big Dick Stockton guy. Yeah, you're right. No, you are was, a big Dick yeah. guy. Like Uncle Dick's your brother. Like you Hello, are a big right? you are a big Dick guy. Okay. All right. Where are we at? Did I make this weird? Anyways, football yeah, happened today. You, you did a little bit. <laughs> uh did you see this crazy finish? This Brady just Brady again. <laughs> no, I didn't. You know how last week last week the theme was we talked to Mina about it, about these quarterbacks, Brady yeah. and Rogers. Like which one of them is done, which one of them can bounce back. And I think people yeah. all got it right. That Brady's not done yet, especially in that shitty division. But there's just something wrong with Rodgers when he can't win in Detroit. I mean, that Amazing. is just, that's yeah. home cooking for him. I mean, that's a bad defense. Yeah, Detroit is a hist- uh, almost a historically bad defense. I could have played quarterback against the Lions last week when the Dolphins were there. Remember how wide open those guys were? Like, yeah. I could have been their quarterback, and Rodgers couldn't do anything against them. It's amazing. Like, granted, I mean, I get it, Roger. Um, <laughs> Rogers, we we get it. I mean, you've lost a lot of receivers. They traded your main guy. You know, they tried at the trade deadline to get you a couple of guys. They couldn't do it. Singing the blues. We get it. But you have to beat Detroit. Yeah, you have to score more than whatever nine oh. points against Detroit. And the Come Dolphins. On. And the Dolphins. How good is it to just live in this space of we're one of those good offenses? I'll tell you what. They can win a shootout now. Yeah, that's, I, that's one of the things we found out is that, you know, they can outscore their own defensive lapses. Uh, and, they, and you know they what? Can, they, they can they, score in the 30s. I mean, they can outscore defensive lapses and they can outscore coaching lapses because as good as Mike McDaniel is, he has shown a few things with timeouts and he, he's shown some rawness in the game management right. of like in the first half, there was 12 seconds left. They kicked the field goal on fourth down like they could have just let the clock run down and ended the half on the field goal. But yet they kicked the field goal with 12 seconds left and then they had to kick off. And yeah, it was just like a weird thing where the other team didn't have to get the ball back. And you know what I mean? So the, he just has done some weird things. But I was texting with Chris Whittingham about this, that with the offense that he's Drop brought that name. Wow. With the offense that Mike McDaniel has brought. Right. He could sleep with my wife and I don't care. Like, you know what I mean? Like he could call t- a timeout after an incomplete pass. And I don't care as long as Tyree Kill keeps doing what he's doing. Okay. I don't care what this guy does at like little moments. I love him. No, no, I, I, I do too. Uh, the problem with that, uh, what you just said is that you have invited me to imagine uh, Mike McDaniel in bed with my uh, daughter-in-law, which I really d- didn't want to go there, no, but you but like, brought that. That is where him and I, because him and I went down a path of just texting each other probably 15 things of like, he could call a timeout here. He could play nine guys on defense. Like we were just right. jokingly texting each other things that he could do, and we'd still <laughs> love him because of how right. good this offense is. Right. And it ended about 15 things deep when I said that to him. And I was like, all right, maybe I took it too far. <laughs> okay. And, and you know what else we saw in this game is that uh, Jeff Wilson is going to be really good. And, and he made a, you know, uh, Bradley Chubb was hardly mentioned on the telecast. The only time you saw he had a him few mentioned. Pressures. He had a few pressures, but didn't really yeah, get to him. Yeah, he did. 
And and he he missed a sack toward the very end there. But uh, what are he, we gonna like assess Bradley Chubb right there off that one game? Like no, I'm, he's I'm like, just saying he had sort of a quiet game, whereas Jeffrey Wilson, I thought, advertised himself like, whoa, I'm here. <laughs> Jeffrey <I> mean, Wilson. <laughs> well, whatever, Jeff Wilson. I don't yeah. know. Jeff Wilson Jr. He goes yeah. by Junior. Why do all these athletes go by something junior? Drop the junior. Wow, you are so full of shit. You're such a family guy. Like if I was a junior and I didn't put like Cody, G, like you would be so like, God, you're like, all right, I'm just. Okay, but here's the difference. Dad, you're Listen. not, you're not no, upset. No. Oh my God, you really, you're, you're not upset about someone having a junior. On okay, their hear me out. Hear me out. Okay, let's say you're Greg Cody Jr. instead of Chris Cody. Okay. It's not because people are misunderstanding. It's not like people think, oh, wait, is that Greg Cody? No, it's because they grew up, you grew up as a junior and a senior, like you're, you take pride in that junior name and like, okay, it's part of your name. All right. But, but I'm still in the market. Like you and I are still like sort of in the same media realm. We're both working. Like we're, we're on the same damn podcast together. Whereas Jeff Wilson's dad is not in the NFL. Like nobody is confusing the two of those. Dad, you don't your show's called saying? the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. I know. I've offered to call it the Greg Cody Show with Chris Cody, and you you don't want to do it because that's not funny. Okay, I didn't say it was funny. I, I want to do it as an honorarium. Thing. All right, good episode. Um, listen, mention <laughs> real quickly your thoughts on the UM game because I was there. They got their ass kicked. I couldn't have been paying Florida attention State. any less. I was at a friend's giving dressed up as Alan Grant from Jurassic Park. How'd that go? How'd that go? Over? It was it was amazing. The kids yeah. were at the grandparents' house. Thanks for that. Dang, and, uh, and, we enjoyed uh, it. And yeah, with the time, the time change was nice. So even when I had to be at your house at eight a.m., it really was nine a.m. A nice little trick. And when she I was up you what, with you, at, when she was up with you at six thirty a.m., it was really seven thirty. Yeah, right. No, it was beautiful. We enjoyed it. Let me just say this about UM: they suck right now. It's been a really, really disappointing season for Mario Cristobal. Any Canes fan. Giving up on Mario and going eighty million dollars wasted money. We want Al Golden. Are you kidding me? Give him more than nine games to get this thing turned around. He's had some great recruiting prizes. Are kids leaving? Are kids leaving? I mean, I'm sure there's going to be. You know, nowadays the 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 portal is flowing. The transfer <laughs> portal is flowing, but. He's made some good hits in in uh, recruiting. I, I, I just, are people fine. firing him? I feel like everyone's got a nice head on their shoulders here. Like you know, he's it's a bad first year, obviously. But you know, like yeah, like obviously, like are people calling for his heads already? Calling no, for his but, head already? But 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 kiddingly, in 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 hyperbolic sense, they are. I mean, you know, Kane's Twitter was blowing up the other night. You know, you you don't. And, and in fairness. You don't lose 48 to three or whatever it was. I mean, that was an embarrassment, but Mario's going to be fine. As Jimmy Johnson uh, told us in this episode. Oh, that was she, like, uh, that, did, that question, out. did that question even survive? I don't even know. I hope it did. Because <laughs> that was, I mean, that's just like, he's, he, he, Mario's one of the, like, they invited him to the program. Yeah. Like in all like fairness to Jimmy Johnson, he's never going to say anything in that spot other than positive things i know but i hope it was left in the podcast and if it wasn't you're fired all right okay well if it wasn't then they just got to know what he said and they didn't even have to hear it so i might just that's cut true. it out and then they'll learn it here that's a good point Save a little so, time. Uh, jimmy johnson endorses and supports mario cristobal good night everybody we love you all wow you always say good night everybody when most like the the metrics say that most people listen to this early in the morning so you should say have a good day everyone you know what have a good day everyone 
appreciate you. Please appreciate me as much as I appreciate you. And then we'll be even. Dad, your wife's out of town for a trial. So you're a man, you're a man alone in the house. Like I I imagine you having like, you know, (laughs) Bruce Springsteen playing loudly throughout the house. I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm going to try to figure out how to turn the, uh, Sunday night football game on my TV because <laughs> I normally don't do that. I don't know what channel it's on. What was that Prime Video? I don't yeah, know. Do I either, even get that? It's either on. That? It's either on six or channel four thirty two. Six or four thirty two. Yeah. All right. I'm writing that down. Six <laughs> or four thirty two. Actually, if you go out, your TV has like a setting, or if you go out to your TV, if it's off, just be like, "Hello, hello, TV, channel six, woo woo," and it'll just do it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Practice. Do it. <laughs> okay. Practice. Uh, channel six. Woo woo. <laughs> no. You know what I have to say to you? Bye. <laughs> <laughs>